0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Hey Man, It's Okay. I'm one of your hosts here today, Sky.
1: I'm your other host, Ryan Heapy. I'm also a licensed therapist out of Newport Beach, California. And a little disclaimer everything I say here is my personal opinion and not coming from professional advice. This is not a clinical setting here. So
0: perfect. Today we are going to be talking about mindfulness and meditation. And since, you know, Ryan is here and he is the licensed therapist. I figured we should talk to him and ask him a few questions because he's really going to be the one that gives us the best information. And so, Ryan, let's let's dig into it. First of all, what is meditation and mindfulness to you? How do we define it?
1: Sure. Maybe I'll first start with, you know, so as we decided this would be our topic over the last few days, the more and more I got to thinking about it, the bigger this topic got for me. My background and it I have kind of always been fascinated by different states of mind, I think since I was a young kid and probably experimented with psychedelics way back in the day, it kind of really got me intrigued and actually got me into really learning about meditation and that was something I sort of got into, dabbled into when I was probably like 17 or 18, checked out a couple books, but you know, the internet kind of wasn't what it was today. And then I ended up, you know, was about 30 years old. I was in LA and there was a really cool, there were a couple cool meditation centers out there. They were called like against the stream, like slash Dharma punks. And it was a place that you could go. And, and there were, you know, sometimes anywhere between like 20 to 50 people, and they would do some talks, and it really kind of opened up my awareness, expanded kind of my mind into the realm of mindfulness and meditation. And so that being said, mindfulness in and of itself is kind of the harnessing of our awareness, sort of the ability to control our attention primarily onto like one thing. And that could be, you know, onto your thoughts. That could be actually to what's going on here. A lot of times like a easy way to get into mindfulness would be like just to focus on one thing, perhaps like the dishes or cleaning, you know, and just being very intentional with what you're doing and just focusing on this, this one thing that's right in front of us. When you get into maybe like the bigger definition of what meditation is and and kind of in doing a little of this research, I saw all sorts of different definitions of what that can be there. And I don't want to get too into the weeds of all the different types uh, just to kind of go down the line. You know, there's like transcendental meditation, which often... It's sort of like a brand more than anything. And you get like this mantra that's given to you. and, And that mantra is then, you know, chanted with your meditations. There's stuff like Tantra. There's Vipassana, which is probably what most of us know, kind of the sort of mainly like the focusing on one thing. There is guided meditation. Some people would consider like affirmations a part of meditation. So there's a large body of different types of meditations. And and over the years, I have studied all sorts of different methods, and they all work for me in very different ways. So I use meditation today almost in every aspect of my life. And whether that's regulating emotions, whether that's taking a deep breath in the middle of a session to like get rid of, you know, any of my own thoughts that are popping up about dinner or, you know, my own life and then just come back, you know, to what's really important and what's going on in the moment. I also use it after a session while I'm walking down the hallway to kind of just clear out, you know, whatever is, you know, all of the stuff that I was just listening to and focusing on here and then be able to like kind of Shut that off and then focus on whatever's coming up for me next. I use it to get in tune with myself and start trying to identify what's going on inside me. I use it to be a better partner. I use it to be better in the gym, as a matter of fact. And, you know, we can go down that rabbit hole, but a lot of trainers will tell you kind of one of the most important things about lifting weights is the mind muscle connection. And the better that I've gotten with meditation and mindfulness, the better that I've gotten at like really harnessing that, like getting into the muscle and working, you know, that exact kind of fiber that you want to hit. So there are so many different Forms and types, there's also what's called like open awareness or open monitoring that I've heard. And this, you know, can kind of help ADHD. It's where, you know, we switch from this like single pointed kind of like spotlight focus, which we're usually using to taking everything in and kind of like opening our periphery. And we can also do this like opening all of our senses, you know, sort of pointing our awareness. To everything, sort of all at once, all at the same time. A lot of this takes a lot of different practice. I was just hearing from clients earlier that, you know, they started meditating and now they're more aware of how often they're lost in thought than ever. And so it can often be, you know, just like when we start working out, you know, we're, we're feeling muscles that we haven't felt in a long time and it's sore and we notice them and they kind of hurt and you know the first week or two of really starting a meditation practice you will notice like oh my gosh i'm thinking a lot a lot and it can get discouraging you know in that first week or two and i usually say like it takes you know a couple weeks of really digging in and and sticking to it to get through you know where you usually have sort of the big breakthroughs one thing i definitely wanted to bring up is you know and maybe this podcast will help me but I'm always trying to sell it in the best way that I can't because I can't tell you, I mean, in my own life, it has become the greatest superpower, probably the greatest skill that I've ever learned in helping every single aspect of my life. And I don't think that it's hard to explain just how much it can help until you've gotten to that point or until you kind of integrate it into really all aspects of your life. So maybe i'll give you one way that i kind of a metaphor that i use and you can tell me if it makes any sense i've been using it for a while i I might have heard it from somewhere else and and it might get a little abstract so i like to describe kind of the way we live life as being in this river you know and it's this chaotic river that's got waterfalls rapids rocks it's half the time so we're inside this river okay and we're getting pushed in all sorts of different directions half the time we're drowning And that river is our thoughts, feelings, emotions, sensations, influences, just everything in life that kind of hits us. And for the most part, we're just reacting. Half the time, like I said, we don't know our way up, our way down. We're just really getting pushed kind of by life. Then we might learn to be mindful a little. We'll we'll learn kind of the beginning of a good meditation practice. That then allows us to kind of open up, enhance kind of our awareness and become aware that now look at all these influences that are pushing me. Now I'm able to sort of reflect, to pause, to notice, you know, the direction that all of these things, you know, that they're kind of, all of them are like little dictators in our lives. And then When we're able to kind of stop and sort of get this new witness, in a lot of ways, it's called, we're able to recognize what is going on. And we open up like, oh my gosh, look at this river that's pushing me in all these different directions. Okay, That's sort of the first, the beginner's experience, right? Then we get a little better with it. We're able to then, you know, really reflect and maybe manage or regulate our emotions. We're able to be aware of like what's coming in, uh, what we're taking on. And in a lot of ways, we're learning to swim in this river. And then we can often swim just right along to the riverbank, get out of the river if we need to, turn around, see kind of everything that is going on in our lives. All right. And then I think we can get to a place where if we get really good, really good at regulating, we're able to sort of bend the river and really take some added control into our life. Okay. Then the final piece is... We're able to walk back into that river. This is when you you kind of really learn to kind of master it and you can kind of find like the one with everything moments that come with meditation. And you can kind of become the river and sort of assimilate into it and be one with it. I think that's where that's where like the real beauty and magic comes. But there's really like beauty and magic in each one of those stages, I believe. Did that make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that followed along really nicely for me. And As someone who is, you know, fairly new to mindfulness and fairly new to meditation, you know, since 2019 really only, it makes a lot of sense because I can see where, you know, you take a a second to look back at the river and see where you've been and what you made it through and be able to kind of take more control from that point forward, for sure.
1: Yeah, we're really... Like I said, you know, a lot of people call it, you know, the witness, the observer, you know, you're sort of given like all of a sudden this this like third person point of view of, you know, your life, your feelings, your thoughts, and then, you know, you can you're given that added ability to then decide, you know, what's the course of action. And, you know, I know something that was really powerful to you was the way your therapist kind of taught you about mindfulness and sort of that choice point. I think that was in the middle there, which was really cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'll have to find somewhere to put that up, but yeah, I mean, I can tell you that at first mindfulness was very, very hard. You know, my wife tried getting it in my head. It was a pretty new concept to me from 2016 when we got married until, you know, I went to my first therapy session. I called her up and I'm like, babe, you'll never guess what I learned. I learned mindfulness. And she was just like, are you kidding me? Like, she's so glad, but at the same time, she's like, I can't believe this one woman after talking to you for one hour, got this into your head. And I've been trying to get it into your head for for years. And you're right. It is something that at first, it's something you have to be conscious of, something that you're aware of, something to kind of like, make sure you take the time, breathe, take a step back. But the longer you use it, the easier it is just to integrate into your life. And it's so worth it because it makes life that much easier. So,
1: I mean, you bring up a, you know, and this is why like the importance of selling it is, you know, kind of really important. You know, if you're somebody with racing thoughts, maybe, you know, a lot of anxiety, ADHD, it's difficult. It's, I mean, it's, you don't even want to step into thinking about, oh my gosh, I got to look at these things even greater, you know? <laughs> and so a lot yeah. of times the first thing, the first steps often into a meditation practice are noticing your breath, right? And what I like to do is, you know, first notice the thoughts, like get up there, take a look at them, take a magnifying glass to them, you know, and they're just coming at you hundred miles an hour, you know, God knows where, and then see if you can move that attention to something else and that's often the breath and for me the easiest way is to kind of go towards you know sort of the inside of my nose or at least the sensation of the breath coming in and so if you can place all your attention you know and just try to focus on the breath for as long as possible and most people at the beginning can probably only do that for three or four seconds before another, another thought pops in before you start to notice your arms itching before you hear, you know, a honk outside. So something else kind of takes you away from that single pointed attention. And that is, you know, especially at the beginning, that is kind of the whole practice. It's this coming back. It's a lot like, you know, doing bicep curls you're, you're picking it up and you're letting it down. You're picking it up and you're letting it down. You're noticing you're lost in thought. You're coming back to what's in front of you. And that's really difficult. And so in order to do that for five minutes without then f- uh, thought flying into all the other things that you have coming into your day, it takes a lot of work and, and it's, it's hard. But then once you can start to integrate that into your life, then, you know, without even thinking, you're noticing like, oh, I'm up here, you know, oh, I don't feel so good today. I'm going to slow that down. I want to bring it back before. And what's really, you know, I used to have panic attacks. I used to be severely depressed. And we've talked about kind of like the tunnel vision that can come from both of those. Right. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's really hard to break out of that. But that usually, I think, happens over time. You know, it's kind of like we slowly, you know, are it's like snowboard tracks in the snow. You're kind of going over the same track over and over and over again. And so now, you know, I'm able to catch myself after one or two passes sort of in the snow. Like, oops. you know, I can tell like, you know, my thinking's going down maybe a sad or dark direction. And, you know, I really need to be paying attention to a client right now. Okay. And then, you know, I'm back to hear and out of, you know, that anxiety hamster wheel.
0: You know, it's funny. I find myself sometimes someone will be talking to me for a really long time. And I'm not, not right now. That's not what happened. But sometimes somebody will be talking to me for a really long time about something and I'll be listening. And then all of a sudden I'll notice my thoughts start to wander and I'll start thinking about Oh, something they said made me think about this. And that made me think about this. And that am oh my gosh, this person's still talking to me. I'm missing every single thing they're saying. I better tune back in and hope they don't ask me a question right away. Mm -hmm,
1: (laughs) mm -hmm. And and this is why I think, you know, mindfulness can really help us with memory too, is often where you ask somebody what their name is, right? Mm -hmm. And the second you ask them, Hey, what's your name? You're already up in thought. Thinking about maybe the next question you're going to ask them, what the, you know, you're looking at their clothes, whatever, you have completely missed their name. It's not registering. You have no idea. You're gone. And so it, partially, and not to toot my own horn, but, you know, I really think this is what helps me at least be a decent clinician is, you know, that I'm able to to, to recognize when I'm no longer connecting, when I'm up in thought, you know, when I'm thinking about dinner, when I'm thinking about my day. And I mean, it's so easy, you know, I mean, to sit here with somebody, you know, for 50 minutes and not wander into, you know, my own world is, and I give it up entirely to my meditation practice that reminds me, okay, come back, you know. And when I'm working, you know, and and this is maybe at the end of the the podcast, I'll kind of go down a list of people that I think are really great to to follow if you're wanting to get into the space. Yeah, perfect. Uh, but there's this guy Locke Kelly, who's also a psychotherapist, and you know has a really great way of explaining what he calls. He has two different practices. One's called effortless mindfulness, which I think is. Not always so effortless. And then one also called open hearted awareness. And, you know, kind of what his theory in some way is that if we could operate from this always present, always mindful, you know, almost always sort of one with the moment, that we then would, you know, not only be taking in everything that we need to take in, but that we also then almost already have everything in our operating system to operate from this fully present aware space. If does that make I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, totally. Basically living in flow kind of at all times and that being, you know, almost the the perfect unity or being in sync kind of with everything going on. And so, you know, again like how that works for me is, you know, when I'm in session, I am just truly trying to be there. You know, it's to almost totally engrossed in the story, as if I'm there. And then that's when you know I'm able to give, ask the best questions to validate in the best ways, and and to, to I mean, it's almost like deep empathy. You know, truly just connecting with somebody, and even more like so, putting yourself in their shoes.
0: Yeah. So, do you find? That you find other practices easier than others as far as mindfulness or maybe even like meditation? You know, are there things that you find yourself doing more often than others because they're just easier or quicker to do?
1: Yeah. So one of the, the modalities or theories, concepts of therapy is called dialectical behavioral therapy, DBT and it's kind of like an expansion on cognitive behavioral therapy but one of the reasons i really jumped on it and and found it fascinating was it was one of the first modalities that brought in mindfulness as you know a skills-based practice and the way that they introduce it to people is just very basic it's in those like okay just wash the dishes and just focus on almost like that wax on Wax off. (laughs) Just be there with that. Like just do the one thing at a time. There's another like, just observe, you know, without maybe even describing things. So you can just, you know, as I like look around the room, you're just looking at this piece of art. I'm just looking at that frame. I'm just looking at, uh, I'm putting words to it because we're talking about it. But if I were just look at it, and just kind of take it in without necessarily describing it or what we often do is then add judgment to it. And so the next kind of step into, you know, that practice is to then just describe without our interpretations or without judgment. And so, you know, that might be, that's a piece of art. There's a hand, there's words there, you know, instead of, you know, what we often do is, oh, that thing's ugly you know or the thing's pretty or it looks cheap <laughs> or i don't like it you know and, and then we're we're up here right and so it's just trying to like connect with whatever's right in front of us and that keeps us from you know spinning up here so kind of back to your question that is kind of an easy or a may, maybe like a a shorter step into being more mindful than immediately go into okay let's look at your thoughts now we're going to focus on the breath now i'm going to have you go into you know your heart and see if you can breathe into that place and then you know and and like the one i was talking about that uh that guy lot kelly does with the open hearted awareness there you know i think you you kind of first start with your breath you kind of center yourself but then you're expanding your awareness you're like opening your peripheral vision you're opening your hearing to kind of take in Everything around you're opening sensation to feel front back, and so you're really trying to open your awareness almost as as far as possible, okay, and then you bring it back sort of to your heart here, and you know and you're finding this he kind of I think he puts it as like sort of riding a bicycle, you know where you're balancing your awareness all around and then back to the center and i've had some of the most amazing just personal experiences kind of doing that practice but you know again like that you know it takes a lot of different moving parts i guess and so it's usually just the beginning steps of just noticing you know sort of what's in front of us
0: okay yeah that makes sense yeah i mean there's i find that for me it's easier to to meditate when there's some kind of like music going on in the background, just like a nice low music without any like words or anything. Is that something that is recommended for, I mean, for people starting maybe, or is that something, is there like less benefit? Are you less aware if you listen to music starting out?
1: maybe maybe not so you know i remember i had an old boss ask me this and and i asked him like if he meditated and he said you know oh i tried once and it was this terrible experience you know we went <laughs> to this place and we just sat in a dark room and nobody talked we were just all in silence and you know there is a benefit to things like silent retreats but If you have no direction, right, you're probably just going to sit there for an hour or so in this room and just spin. All you're doing is probably thinking more than ever, right? And so I I find kind of the easiest way into it if you don't kind of have a, a teacher doing the, you know, the real easy steps of, you know, the observe, describe guided meditation. And, you know, my favorite app is it's called Waking Up. There's like an introductory course there and, you know, it's it's by this guy, Sam Harris. And it's, I find the whole app is probably the best, maybe curation of all sorts of different practices, but also really teaching you kind of the fundamentals while he's also explaining why you're doing what you're doing you know why this is beneficial you know it's like a it's kind of I think it's like a 28 day course 10 minutes a day the actual meditation is often only like five minutes and you know and he's always great like oh you're probably lost in thought now okay sounds doable. come back and so if you're just doing it on your own especially in the beginning without anybody bringing you back it's real easy in that first 10 seconds to start being mindful and then you might even forget you were meditating altogether and the next thing you know you're out the front door and you're going to get groceries and you completely forgot you know that you were meditating at all and so <laughs> i i still like you know out outside of you know where i have it integrated in my life and i'm just you know constantly bringing myself back or going inside and you know really uh, just trying to identify what's going on that when i do my intentional kind of 10 minute 20 minute practice that i'm almost always doing it with some guided instruction. So,
0: See, that, that's not something I've ever, ever done. I've never done any kind of like guided meditation study or practice or anything like that. It's kind of all been on my own, on the fly learning and, you know, just kind of feeding my knowledge and feeding my own curiosity but that's definitely something you know I'd be interested in trying.
1: I think that's where the real the real gist of it is. It's sort of flexing the muscle of the brain. It's learning these techniques, understanding why they work, when to use them. I would almost say like you guided at the beginning is almost the only only way to do it. And you know, and to find so I know there's like the Calm app, Headspace, I think is also pretty good and I've watched there's there's even like sort of documentaries, instructionals on Netflix, I think from Headspace, you know, that also have visuals going to it. Because again, it's something you can do eyes wide open, eyes closed, you can just do it with hearing, there's, it's not
0: necessarily sitting, um, not necessarily, although that's, <laughs> that's a form as well, right? Yeah. There, that's there just is, what everyone mm-hmm. thinks of when they think of meditation. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I do it often while driving. I've had some pretty amazing experiences just while driving as well. And so it's, you know, you're, you're harnessing uh, the awareness, which is everything, right? Like I, I know we hear like, time is like our greatest resource but really i think it's our attention you know what are we doing with our attention all the time where are we giving our attention to where our attention goes our energy goes and when we can start controlling that you know when we get a a better handle on those things our life is you know can drastically change really we really gain like just great insight into what's really going on with us
0: hmm that's pretty interesting It's really good to hear that you can pretty much meditate whenever you want, whenever you've got time, because sometimes it's hard for people to set aside that time, you know, when you're at home. So good to know that, you know, while you're in your car, driving in traffic, meditate while you're maybe right before you fall asleep, maybe try doing some meditation. So it's good that you don't necessarily have to set aside the time but you can use any opportunity to meditate is kind of what it sounds like.
1: Yeah. Meditate or, you know, and I'm, I'm probably tripping people up with the interchanging of the words, but you know, like you said, with driving, right? Like you wouldn't want to be an (laughs) own while you're on the freeway. Right. No, but also how many of us have been driving and missed our off ramp. Right. And so where were we, we were up here we were still functioning. We were we were still, you know, we didn't get in a crash, but we completely missed our objective. And so, you know, you can, okay, I'm going to be mindful. You can focus into, I'm going to put all of my energy into just driving and I'm going to drive the best, the safest that I possibly can. And just that, you know, you're being more present, you're being very <laughs> intentional with what you're doing. Okay. You know, like lifting weights is very much can be almost a forced mindful activity. Okay. If you've ever bench pressed, right? Oh, yeah. You can't laugh really. I, I think it's all, I've heard it might be almost impossible to like have like a real deep laugh while you're trying to contract and move all these muscles. Like, so you're being forced. Into being, you know, very present because if you let this bar down, you know, it might fall on top of you, right? And yeah, so you could die. That's cool. that like focused, very intentional, you know, attention that we are putting onto this one thing, and and that's why you know I really recommend lifting for people because you know, like if we're riding a bike, we can great, great cardio and all, but it's not as mindful of an activity often, right? Like we can get up in our head. I know a lot of people run and they have some of their best thoughts while they're running, but you know, when we're forced, you know, to really focus on, on one thing that's kind of sharpening our, and this is why, you know, lifting is also a great, you know, or any kind of like high intensity exercise, I should say is a great way to kind of shake the day off, you know, it, it, cause it takes us out, you know, of, of all the distractions and all the noise, all of our worries, and, you know, and, and forces us to, to focus on something else, even if just for you know a short time, I have this cool neighbor that plays for the Falcons and we were talking the other night, we were, you know, just, he was studying all the different plays and, you know, I saw on his computer, he's got all these different things that he's got to take in. And I kind of asked him like, well, what's the most important thing, you know, to team, you know, and I think he said first, like coaching and that nobody makes mistakes you know, there's so many guys on a team that it's the mistakes. If just everybody could do the right thing, like they would probably always be the best team in the league. And, yeah, you know, it's easy and, enough.
0: Sure. <laughs> be yeah. perfect all the time, right?
1: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and what's, the, you know, what does it take to not make a mistake? I mean, it takes, you know, being, half the time, right? It's when we're distracted. It's after somebody is in their head over something. Maybe there was, you know, a lot of times, right? Like when we say like people choke, they might've missed one shot. And then they're in their head over missing that one shot. Now the anxiety's taking over. They're not, you know, in flow during the game. You know, literally, they, you know, why do we say like, keep your head in the game? You know, it's like, just, you know, and then it's like kind of get into that flow state. You've already done all the practice. You know, you already know the plays, you know, they're kind of already part of your operating system. And so now, you know, just execute. And a lot of times I think we can do that when we're just fully in tune, you know, with the moment. I remember like, Bo Jackson, who's the younger generation, was one of the greatest athletes of all time. He played both baseball and football at the same time. And he described, you know, some of his greatest plays like not almost like there was nothing going on. And he was just in this perfect rhythm. There was like no crowd. I mean, he was just in this perfect flow state doing, you know, just kind of like his body was operating almost purely instinctively.
0: Yeah. Is that like, is that like being able to do something like knowing the back of your hand, just something that you just do? Yeah. Yeah. You know,
1: and, and I think in learning those things too, right. Like when we're studying, right. Like how do we end up doing a good job on something? Like first, I think we have to, we have to internalize it. We have to learn it. And even in that, you know, that studying, we have to be fully present. How often do we open a book and within the first paragraph, you're gone. Like we're, we're already thinking all sorts of other things. And then we have to go back and reread that paragraph. It Guilty. to me all the time. And more and more today, we're, instead of being mindful, all of these influences that are coming at us are making us more distracted. You know, as a society, we have the shortest attention span that we've ever had. And, you know, and so it's very easy to just have this, you know, TikTok, right? They're all six seconds or something like that, you know, but just one right after another. And, you know, one of the reasons I think video games can honestly be sort of mindful, and I think that's why a lot of kids sort of get into them is it's the one thing that they're fully engrossed in, you know, where they're almost in their flow state. And so we could kind of help people take that, right? Like you you were telling me. You know, that video games can help people when they're down. You know, it's yeah. kind of like they're uh, it could be a distraction, it can make them feel a little better. Something to help
0: you turn off your mind. Exactly. Oh, exactly, right? Because that now makes a
1: lot of sense. We're no longer thinking about all the all the stressors, we're fully engrossed into this other world, and we're also, you know, problem solving. We're I mean, we're often deeply in flow you know, working on this video game.
0: That's really, I never thought about that before. That's pretty interesting that that could be a form of meditation. I mean, it makes sense why so many people are engrossed in it. Like maybe they have some outside things that are going on that just have them so down and so out and then throwing on a video game that they know pretty well is something that just lets them focus on one thing. Kind of like, it's kind of like what meditation does, except you're trying to focus on nothing instead of trying to focus on, you know, what you're doing in the game i mean that it, makes, helps, it makes a lot of sense yeah it
1: helps us reduce the chatter right like it just yeah you know, i'm doing it now like it just okay i'm bringing it back you know i'm just gonna sit with my body another thing that helps reduce the chatter is often substances right like they'll you'll hear people talk about alcohol or marijuana that it quiets the noise of my mind right and Yeah, it does. And, you know, when I I was working at a treatment center and, you know, one of the things I would almost always tell people, the hardest part about this, you know, this process is going to be sitting with your emotions for the first time. And that's uncomfortable as hell. We've been pushing away all of these worries, these uncomfortable feelings. You know, and so if you could, here's where mindfulness and meditation helps again. It's, you know, we're able to then sit with them. This woman, Tara Brock, who uh, has two amazing books, one called Radical Acceptance, which maybe we'll get to do a podcast on, which is my favorite concept that I've learned in therapy of just radically accepting the moment and not wishing it were kind of different. But then she also has this other book called Radical Compassion, where she introduces this type of meditation practice called Rain and i hope i get the acronym right here but you know first you're kind of you slow everything down and we're really like tuning into the body the r i believe is recognize and so we're just kind of recognizing what's going on okay then we want to allow it and so if it's an uncomfortable emotion okay we're just kind of gonna let it be and then the i is investigate and so then we kind of dig a little deeper into that emotion a lot of times i I'm asking clients to, you know, first find where are these emotions sitting with us? You know, and we have all sorts of different words, you know, that we've used over time. Like I'm choked up, I'm hot with rage, I'm, <laughs> I got a pit in my stomach, right? And these emotions are trying to communicate something to us. And so, so we go back to the eye, we find where is this emotion sitting? All right, it's in my stomach. You know, it's really, you know, it's churning in there. And then we investigate a little deeper, you know, And the better we get with meditation and mindfulness, the more we can kind of get to the core of it. And oftentimes when we turn our attention to these emotions, they're then heard, they're then felt, they're allowed, they're able to sort of communicate what they've been wanting to communicate towards us. And then they often lose, you know, sort of the trigger or the uncomfortability of it. And then the last, the N of the RAIN acronym is then NURTURE. And so, you know, you kind of, you nurture that emotion in kind of your own way, but, you know, in some ways getting, giving sort of an emotional or metaphorical hug to what you're feeling. So again, I don't know how I got down this tangent, but another kind of way to that meditation mindfulness, you know, gives us better insight into, into what's going on with us.
0: So I know, Mm -hmm. I know, you know, meditation has, you know, mental benefits, Have you noticed people having more physical benefits as well?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, we are often kind of like the beginning of that river metaphor, right? Where we are just being pushed, you know, from one emotion, one feeling, one sensation to the next. You know, I actually wanted to start this whole podcast with how meditation got here. Uh, It's obviously been used in the East for, I believe, thousands of years, Uh, you know, whether that's China, Japan, India, India has, you know, there are all sorts of different meditation influences around there, but really the person who really legitimized it, who brought it to the medical community was this guy named John Kabat-Zinn. I hope I get this story right, but he was uh, working at the University of Massachusetts and I believe he was kind of working with a pain clinic there. And he kind of asked everybody, give me your your people in the most kind of chronic pain that can't be healed. All right. Or that can't be really or or that where maybe opiates aren't working for the treatments aren't working. You know, give me your kind of toughest patients. And I believe he reduced their symptoms, you know, and this he, you know, did all this, you know, in scientific research that, you know, they reduced their symptoms something like, you know, twenty to forty percent, I believe. You know, and almost all across the board were able to then reduce their symptoms. So, this is where, you know, meditation was then, you know, started to be recognized, right? And now, you know, I think that was 20, 30 or so years ago, maybe even longer. I think of my like 1980. And now it's everywhere. You know, whenever we go to CVS, it's there's, you know, five different magazines on meditation. It's, you know, it's all around us. There's apps all the time, commercials. Now it's hard to like weed out and find how it can really be useful for us. So back to the, the phys- so not only, you know, can it help us with our physical pain? Okay. You know, we can take some of the attention that we're placing, you know, on the pain and, you know, put it elsewhere, but you know, it helps us get out of fight or flight. Okay. So. Okay.
0: Which is important.
1: Yes. Which has a lot of physical implications, right? When we are in our, it's called our like sympathetic nervous system, we're keyed up, we're activated. We're ready to like attack, defend. I mean, there's a fight, flight, freeze, fawn. And that takes a ton of energy. It takes a toll on us. And so to like be able to reduce that. And so a lot of times, you know, this is, this is a skill in like couples therapy. Okay. If you can, you know, notice that your fight or flight is kind of coming on. You're, you're starting to get this uh, sensation of feeling either flooded and then you're able to like bring that down before we go into like attack or defend with our partner. And we're able to listen again. I guess the, the long, or the, the the point I'm trying to make is we're, we're better able to regulate our nervous system. How this can help us with sleep is oftentimes we're, Up in our heads, worrying about all the different things that either happened earlier in the day or that we need to take care of tomorrow. And so we're also sort of often like in fight or flight up there as well. And if we can kind of have the awareness to regulate that, to bring that down, you know, a good like gratitude practice is something you can do here, where, you know, now you're shifting your nervous system from worry, from stress. Into a state of like safety, comfort, and peace. And then your body can relax. And then, you know, it can finally, you know, hopefully go back to sleep.
0: Pretty interesting. I feel like it's so crazy how big this topic is and how many things that it can cover to me. Is there, I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, but it, can you show us maybe a quick, like, guided meditation, like something that you would walk somebody through? Yeah, let's do it. I'll be your patient today. All right. All right. Maybe <laughs> this will be your first guided meditation. Yeah. I'm, Cause
1: this interests me. So we were just about to walk sky through his first guided meditation. I'm kind of excited. Yeah. I also feel a bit of pressure, but that's all right. We'll uh, no, so I'm, I'm pretty
0: excited. I trust you. You know, you you have quite the list of credentials and, and letters after your name. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so but, if I'm going to hear from anybody, you know, I'd like it to be somebody who I know and trust a bit. Thank you.
1: You know, but you know what's crazy? I was listening to somebody talk about a therapist talk about the nervous system, and that therapists don't get trained on the nervous system. We don't get trained on meditation. You know, a lot of these things, uh, we don't get trained on even certain modalities. A lot of times, you know, we have to kind of go out and find these things. And so much of the things that I get to use in my practice have come from outside work, you know? And so meditation is definitely one of them. Although I think every clinician, I think kids should learn meditation in school at the earliest age. It helps them, right? I mean, if you can teach a kid to breathe, just slow down, changes, you know, it can change so much for them. Anyways, so here we go. Sky's first guided meditation. Yeah. All right, yeah. So as I was just saying with kids, let's slow things down. Have you close your eyes and just take some deep breaths in through your nose, out through your mouth. Try to find a nice rhythm where you're not straining. Some people call this box breathing, where you kind of breathe in and count. So you breathe in, two, three, hold, two, three, out, two, three hold and you know we all have a different counting it's whatever kind of is a nice rhythm for you so just sort of in with a nice hold out with a little hold and so now that we've kind of just slowed everything down a bit I want you to notice your thoughts with a little more intention as if you have a magnifying glass sort of on them notice where are they coming from where are they going? How do they appear and disappear? It's probably very similar to my voice, just sort of comes from nowhere and then sort of fades out. Now see if you can place all of your attention sort of at the beginning, the inside of your nose when you breathe in, and really see if you can heighten that sensation, be keenly aware of sort of the sense of touch as the air flows through. And now you're probably already back up in thought. And so just bring the attention again, back to your nose, back to the breath coming in and see if you can hold it there for just a tad longer. And while we do this, don't judge in any way, whether you're doing a good job, a bad job, the whole practice is really just coming back. Okay, it's noticing that we're lost in thought and then we're coming back. All right, we've already slowed things down. So you're already doing a great job. Now I'm going to try a different, couple different methods to see maybe which one works best for you. So we just tried, you know, going through the nose. Now place your attention, keeping your eyes closed again if you can. You're checking on the system probably. You know, up in thought. You're we're thinking here. Slow everything down again. Find that rhythm, and now see if you can place your attention on sort of the gravity pulling your body into the chair noticing the contact of the chair with your clothes the sensation a touch there and as we do this whenever we shift our attention to the body we're also probably very likely to notice any itch notice any twitch or any flex and just see if you can kind of relax everything in the body sort of maybe all at once if you can, dropping your shoulders a bit, allowing your stomach to sort of expand with the breath. Notice any tension in your face and see if you can kind of relax that now too. Relaxing your eyebrows, your brow, relaxing your jaw, maybe unclenching it if you can, relaxing your cheeks. Now see what it's like to notice the attention inside your jaw, to sort of feel from that space Now go to your shoulders. Relax your shoulders again. And again, if you're up in thought, that's totally fine. Notice the thought. Let it go. And then this time we're going to come back to being aware and placing our attention on the entire body all at once. It's where you almost notice it's just kind of like a cloud of sensation. If you really pay attention to it, we're almost not noticing the body. We're, We're almost feeling all of the energy around the temperature, if there's any air or wind. Now we're going to do one last little method here. Notice your thoughts again. And now place your attention to sound. Be aware of anything that's coming in. Might be sort of the noise or maybe the friction of the headphones. You might notice a soft static. You're obviously noticing my voice. Just see if you can pick up whatever comes into you and then lastly let's return to the breath take a couple big deep breaths in through the nose slowly out through the mouth a little trick I like to do is to kind of pretend we're blowing out of a straw sort of helps us regulate the breathing on the way out and then one last big breath in breath out and then slowly open your eyes and come back to
0: the space. Oh man, that's so, so relaxing and calming. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Nice. I, d- I dig it. I would definitely do that again. I don't know how long we did that for,
1: but I think probably five, six minutes and impressive. Yeah, you know, I think you did a great job. I don't know. How often did you feel you went back into thought? How often, you know, it was easy to follow. I, what, did, what did you think?
0: I found myself, you were talking about soft things. And I noticed my brain go to like sheep's wool. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, go back to Ryan, go back to Ryan. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But yeah, I mean, it was good to have you there to kind of keep me focused more, mm-hmm. which was nice. And it was able to keep me on track more than I think if I did it by myself. Mm-hmm.
1: And so you're not going to have any, most likely, we're probably not going to have any major epiphanies here. It was probably just very relaxing. You know, what we did do there was you were able to shift your attention, you know, from place to place, right? Like first to the nose, to the body, different parts of the body, relaxing different parts, and then to the sense of sound. You know, you you might've even gone to the sense of taste when we go inside the jaw. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, while probably nothing magnificent happened here, it's that continual practice of things like this that then give you the control when you really need it. You know, when you, again, are finding yourself drifting, when you need to pay attention to what's in front of you. And then we get better and better at noticing when we're lost up here and when we're not here. Right. And that's, that's a big, that's not the whole of every, all of meditation, but, but that's a very big part, you know, and and that's kind of at the core, I think of mindfulness.
0: Yeah. 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 Man, I would, I'd be curious if any of the, the listeners or watchers, you know, followed along with us during the meditation practice, and I'd like to hear what they thought about it and kind of what they felt during that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Would love to know if you have any questions, if it was difficult, if you were able to do it, or if you have any other insights into how maybe meditation and mindfulness has been beneficial for you or uh, some of the difficulties you know, yeah, yeah. That you've encountered. I would, yeah. you know, again, kind of maybe as we wrap this up, I got to give a plug to the Waking Up app. I think that's by far, in my opinion, the best app out there for beginners and the very advanced. There's so much content in there. It can almost, that maybe is the con of it these days is is that there is almost too much con- good, really quality content on there that, you know, you can almost study for years. I think the last thing I wanted to say, I don't think I brought this up earlier is The growth that I see that occurs in my clients that take, you know, a meditation practice seriously versus the ones that don't uh, is drastically different. Right before we met, I was seeing a client that, you know, we just check in every month now. And I really credit all of that to him taking a meditation practice seriously. It's, you know, helped in all of his relationships. It's it's helped him regulate his emotions so much more. It's helped him see, you know, the areas in his life that, you know, that needed growth, you know, where like psychotherapy can help, you know, for one hour a week, a meditation practice that you're working on every day that then starts to get integrated in every part of your life. I mean, that's where, you know, I feel like real, you know, drastic change and growth can happen in our lives.
0: Well, thanks for talking about meditation and mindfulness today. You know, I know we're about to wrap up here, but I mean, we could probably talk about this for hours and it's probably not going to be the last time we talk about it either. Yeah.
1: No, no, it definitely won't. Definitely won't. I'd like to bring somebody on, a couple people on too, to maybe some other, yeah. other experts. Perfect. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I would love to talk with people about this and get to know it from, from you know, different perspectives, different therapists, you know, opinions and points of view on this. But, uh, you know, I'm really glad to have, to have your insight and to have your guidance, you know, through this learning process. This is wonderful. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's, man, it's, it's at the core of almost everything with, for me and I can't
0: say enough about it. So cool. Well, I guess we just need to say, you know, thanks everyone for tuning in again. We're so excited that that we're, we've we got another episode out here and that we're continuing our growth in Hey Man, It's Okay. Please make sure to subscribe, like, comment on our videos, share them out. Check out the website, okay.com. We post our episodes. There's a bio for Ryan and I up there, and there's also really important, like, sponsors down at the bottom of our website. But I mean, that's, that's it for me. Cool, Uh, Ryan, would you like to say something here before we wrap up? I
1: think that's it. I probably talked enough. Thanks for (laughs) listening and tell a friend. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Tell a friend for sure. That's right. And until next time, everybody remember, it's okay to not be okay. Thanks for stopping by.